Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm so happy today to introduce you to my new friend, Susie Eller. You may have heard of her. She used to be with She Speaks in Proverbs 31. That's where I met her and heard of her. And I've just recently acquired her latest book on joy. And I can't wait for her to talk about it with you. But first, Susie, would you please tell us a little bit about your family and your ministry? Sure. Um, you know, I've been writing for over 20 years, so I am most comfortable in my yoga pants, my hair in a ponytail, <laughs> just putting words on paper. But uh, I'm also a speaker and a podcaster. My most important um, fact is that I am a gaga to six littles, a mom to three and their spouses, and I've been married to Richard for a really long time, and I still love him a lot. Oh, that's great. How many years? How many years have you been married? 41. Wow. We were babies. I was going to say, you must have got married at 16 because you look great. <laughs> Thank you. We were babies. Oh, that's so sweet though. And that's really, that's a legacy in itself. I know this it is. Po- the podcast is on legacy, but um, you just came out with this book on joy. And let me read the title, Joy Keeper, Six Truths That Change Everything You Thought You Knew About Joy. How did you come up with that tagline? Six truths that change everything you thought you knew about joy. You know, I think, and and Sue, you're an author, so you probably understand this. Most of the books that come out, I've walked them and I've lived them. They weren't meant to be books. They were were journeys and Mm -hmm. they later translated to, hey, come with me and let's walk this together. And I wrote Joy Keeper in a season of absolute sorrow. And it was a year, um, actually ended up being more than a year, that I call scarred. Uh, I felt scarred in my heart and scarred in my body. I was scarred in my soul. And I began to reach for joy because joy felt really elusive. And what I came to understand is that joy was not just a feeling, that joy was a knowing, knowing Mm -hmm. where to turn, knowing who I am, knowing that God's plans for me had not gone away. Um, And so I just began to dig deep and redefine joy. Hmm. I noticed that because I have begun reading your book, which is great, by the way. I really want to promote it uh, as a gift for yourself. I think uh, we're always thinking in terms this month of giving gifts to others, but the best gift I think we can give (laughs) others is that we have joy in Jesus. And if if, uh, you listening today need a little nudge in this direction, please buy one for yourself as well as one for a friend. You said that so quickly, but I want to make sure that people hear it. Joy is more than a feeling. Well, we kind of know that as a Christian, but I love the second line, which is it's a knowing. Please elaborate on that. Sure. You know, I sometimes when we're in a season where joy feels complex or elusive, we will either beat ourselves up or others will give us these sayings that are supposed to be faith-filled, but they're really pithy. They'll say something like, you know, um, reach for joy or choose joy. And the, the reality is, is that you've gotten up that day and you've been battered and yet you're reaching for joy with all that you know. And if it's supposed to be just a feeling and you're not feeling it that day, 
you can walk away feeling that somehow that you have failed or mm -hmm. missed God or that he's disappointed in you. And that's so far from the truth because biblical joy is actually so much deeper than a feeling. <laughs> and it is, it is joy that will hold you. And one of the most beautiful definitions of joy that I held onto in one of the darkest years of my life is that joy is consciously walking into God's love and care. Hmm. And there were times I did that day by day, and there were times I did that moment by moment. So actually, the way you just defined it, it's more of an action because we are walking consciously into his love and care. So mm -hmm. can, can you describe how you actually did that at one particular time? Well, sure. So I share, I share this story, and I'll just kind of give a little, um, little background is I'm a girl whose glasses always have full. You know, I am an optimist at heart. Um, but there are times that we walk into seasons where it feels like every time you take a deep breath and you think everything's going to be okay, that you get hit with one more thing. And that's where I was. And so if I were to try to choose joy when my daughter's battling cancer, when I'm battling cancer, when my son who I love with all of my heart has called and says, mom and dad, I am in a dark, dark place and I don't know how to get out. And, and if I'm just going to choose joy in that moment, it's very much like saying to the three men in the fiery furnace when they were in the fire, Hey, just choose water, just choose water, <laughs> you know, true. The, what, <laughs> true. And, 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 but what, what happened in that moment biblically is someone on the outside who saw them in the midst of that fire said, I don't understand it, but there's a fourth in there with them. <laughs> and he's likened unto the son of man. And so what I had to learn to do, and this is not, again, this is not a to-do. This is a, instead of living for him, I begin to live with him daily, hmm. is to choose Jesus. You know, hmm. choose Jesus in that moment. Choose the truth of what I know. Choose the, the reality that God created me to feel. And that the fact that I was sad didn't disappoint him, but he was a refuge for me to run to and to talk to and to find the strength and the source that I needed in that moment. I think uh, women can be the worst at feeling guilty or false guilt or yeah. feeling shame because as soon as that baby comes out of the duct, or whatever, would we become mothers? <laughs> become, I remember my mother saying when, when Bonnie Sue was probably a day old, like her feet are really cold. And I immediately started crying because I knew it was my oh. fault that her feet were cold. And also I was hormonal. But I thought, well, <laughs> we have enough guilt as it is. And I we think do. feel shame, untoward shame, um, not choosing joy, like you were saying, because there's books yeah. called Choose Joy. There's conferences, there joy conferences. And it's like, well, I can't go to that conference because I'm not joyful or that we think we're going to pay a ticket when I come away with joy. And I don't think that's the case. Mm -mm. And no, that's, we're what, that's yeah. what you've learned. Go ahead. Yeah. We're going to redefine joy. And so I want to talk about, because you went to a really important place there, is that when we feel sad or we feel angry or frustrated or confused or we have doubt, somehow we have associated that with being less than faith-filled. Amen. I love that part in your book. 
And in our relationship with God, it is an intimate relationship. It is a father-daughter relationship of the most healthy kind. And God not only cares about how we feel, he created us to feel. And those feelings are indicators of where we need him the most. And so when we give ourselves permission to be honest with God, we not only give ourselves permission to be honest with God, we're giving ourselves permission to feel and to heal. And that is powerful is, is if we stuff it down, if we pretend it doesn't exist, if we somehow beat ourselves up or, or put shame or guilt on top of sadness, it's like carrying this backpack of rocks and we just add one more big old rock to it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not how we're asked to live. Mm-hmm. But not only that, let's think about this story. When I think about the story of Lazarus dying And Jesus went to Martha and Mary, and they're in grief. They're in loss. And not only that, they're a little bit miffed because they asked Jesus to come, and he didn't come on time. And, you know, this is the beauty of this story is Jesus knew what was just about to happen. He had all the knowledge because he was Messiah. He knew that Lazarus was going to come out of that tomb. He didn't take that time to say, hey, why didn't you trust in me? He didn't say, he didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, pull it, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Buck up girls. Right. He wept Mm. with them. Mm. He stepped into their feelings with them and he wept with them. So I would say to that woman who has been associating her sadness with somehow disappointment, invite God into that sadness. He knows what's around the corner. He knows the good that's coming but he also loves you and he steps into that sad place with you. And he is, he is, he carries those and he walks with you and you know, it lightens our load to allow the Lord to carry the burden. He so willingly said he wanted to take from us. What about the woman who is disappointed with God because of what's happened? Sure. I would say that God is big enough. You know, again, go back to the intimate relationship is that God is big enough for our sadness. I think of David standing in the wilderness, crying out his fears, you know, mm-hmm. crying out, restore to me the joy of my salvation or crying out, Lord, I have enemies that surround me. And what was he doing in that moment? He was, he was inviting Jehovah God into that moment with him. And so I, I had I talked to someone I knew the other day who said, Susie, I have doubts. I am so messed up in my faith right now because of all that's going on in the world and I don't know where to turn. And I'm so afraid that if I go to God and I say to him, I am, I am disappointed or I am mad, I said, that's exactly the place to go. Mm-hmm. The Bible calls him a sacred refuge. Mm-hmm. You know, he's exactly the place to go and to share with him, or this is how I feel. This is what's going on in my life. I feel like I get to know best God best when I'm in that place, but yeah. only if I go to him. We don't find out he's our refuge unless we go to him for our refuge. <laughs> exactly. And um, even though I never would pray for trials. They come anyway. They do. And that's when we need to step into his presence. I'm all about hospitality and and, uh, reflecting God's welcoming heart by inviting people to my heart. But I'm just a conduit. We're all just conduits. Your your sunlight is so that I can't see it. There you go. I know. I'm Um, changing it. 
uh, when we invite God, when we invite our friends to pour out their, their problems to us, we need to pass them on over to him because we can't do any of the healing ourselves. Yeah. We are yeah. a short term refuge. I'm all about community, but we're a short term refuge. God is the yeah. long term. Yeah. Yeah. You said this, instead of trying to be something you are not, you allow him to be who he is. That is yeah. a great, that's profound. So what did you mean yeah. by that? Well, so, you know, what's funny is that I, I wrote the message after living it, and then I got to live it again. Oh. So a few months, well, actually a few weeks after I turned in the manuscript, uh, we were planning this beautiful big trip to celebrate a big anniversary. And we had saved for months, our kids were going to go. And I found out uh, a few days beforehand that I had cancer again oh, and breast cancer. In fact, I just had my last surgery about six weeks ago wow. uh, and I'm doing well. I'm doing Great. well. But, and then three days later, my husband, who is a marathon runner, uh, healthy, low blood pressure, had a massive heart attack. This all happened within a space of five days. Oh. And so this was a season where, I got to live this message one more time. And I remember, and this is a long story, but it so shares what I'm talking about. I remember going to the hospital parking lot. My husband was having surgery, emergency open heart surgery. I was blown away by all the news that we had received. I was trying to get into his car. He had parked it haphazardly in an emergency room parking lot. And we had this ice storm the night before and it completely had made the car like an igloo and I couldn't get in. And I finally was able to get into this ice block and then I couldn't find an ice scraper, which somehow was the last straw. I don't know why, but that yeah. was the last straw. And I began to just wail. Um, <laughs> and just tell her, I don't understand what's going on. This was not my plan. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to go through cancer alone. I don't. And I'm just talking to this Lord in this ice-covered Prius in a parking lot. And I feel like that there was a monument. You know, the Bible talks about mm -hmm. leaving altars or monuments. I felt like there was a mon monument that was left there that allowed me to say this was an intimate moment mm -hmm. where I could consciously walk into God's love and care in absolute rawness and honesty. Because when I give myself permission to feel, I give myself permission to begin to heal. And that was a refuge for me in one of the, the hardest places. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for sharing that. Uh, did you feel you learned more or a different aspect of joy the second time you went through this? Or so did it just it, hammer in what you already knew? It just confirmed it. Okay. You know, it confirmed it. It confirmed those six surprising truths, you know, which number one, God is not disappointed when I'm sad. Number two, God knows who I'm becoming. The plans that he had spoken over my life had not gone away. They look different. You know, I'm used to standing on a stage and sharing with women. Um, but my my calling is not to stand on the stage. My call is to reflect Jesus. Amen. And so I was getting to reflect him in a hospital room instead. Mm -hmm. uh, I was getting to reflect him in a car where I could feel safe with him. I was getting to reflect him to my grandchildren and my children. And, and so 
you know, his plans had not changed for me. They just were different mm -hmm. in that season. Mm -hmm. And the third, the third surprising truth is God is God and I am not. And I'm telling you, that was hammered home over and over again because the more that we want to be in control, the less in control we actually are and the more out of control we feel. And so I had to release a lot of things to the Lord in that season. And I found joy in that because when I put down what is not my assignment, then I'm able to step fully into what is my assignment in that moment, in that time, in that season. Mm -hmm. And so just it, it confirmed and, and it, it was helpful mm -hmm. to have I love, those truths. I, lo I love that you say that, that was not your assignment for that moment. I find that I will go, oh, well, who am I supposed to be for this season, like for this year? Or if, should I do this? Should I be a speaker, writer, whatever? And yet God wants us listening to him moment by moment. And so he's not like jerking us around, but in a sense, he wants us to be untethered from our own goals for ourselves. Yeah. He wants us to be so tethered to him so that when, as it says in Psalms, that he will guide, uh, he will guide me with his eye. Well, we can't really just go with the flicker of his, of his sight if we're not that close to him. And it's often pain and trials that make me draw closer to him. So yeah. it's a joy. It's a joy. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and this is the thing is that joy is not just, you know, it's not just something that's elusive in hard seasons because there are times that when we're in the sweetest season of our life and we're holding on to joy so tightly because we're waiting for the other shoe to drop that we can't even enjoy that season. Wow. So there's this image that the Lord gave me in the second part of the season. And it's actually, if you look at the cover of the book, you'll understand why it is what it is. But in this second year where I'm walking this message one more time, um, I, I was praying one day and I just said, Lord, you know, I'm holding on with all that I know to hold on. And I saw this image. and I'm not going to call it a vision. I'm just going to say it was it was a very creative way that the Lord began to show me something. And you can call it whatever you want. But I, I saw this image of you know how a child when they get a balloon what's the first thing that's going to happen to that helium balloon it's going to go <laughs> it's going to go and then they it's cry gonna, and then they cry it's going to go into a tree or they're going to hold it so tightly that they pop it in their hands because they're afraid of it going what will an adult do an adult will kneel down and they'll gently take that balloon and they'll tie the string gently oh. loosely around their wrist so wherever this child goes this balloon follows and I begin to see joy like that is that there are times that I hold it so tightly, it's going to pop even in a sweet season, or there's times that it feels like the moment that I have it, that it goes away. And yet what does the Lord do? He redefines it as to it's tied to a source. It's tied to him. And so he gently ties himself as we consciously walk into his love and care around our wrist, around our heart, around our thoughts, so that wherever we go, because we're tied to the source, that joy follows, whether that is into the deepest pits or is that is the highest mountain, that we have access, that we are immersed and tied to that joy because of who he is. Hmm. Um. I think there's going to be a run on your books after this, but I want to close with this question. You mentioned an 11 minute timer. How did you come up with 11 minutes uh, in your morning time? How is that helpful to you? Um, 
And another question is, what about the person who isn't in love with Jesus? And yeah. yet should she still try this 11 minute thing? Can you explain? Absolutely. So yeah, you know, it seems so random, doesn't it? Yes, it I, does. <laughs> I call myself like hummingbird head. Like if there was something that flitted by right now, my attention would go there. And it's, mm -hmm. it's part of what makes me love life and enjoy everything. But it also means that when somebody says to me that somehow I'm going to come to know more about the Lord by following a chart or, you know, marking off something is I realize that when I go to see a friend, I don't usually put a, a time limit on it, but I do in my heart say, I'm going to say just for a few minutes. And that might turn into something longer. That might turn into something, just that short amount of time that I had. So every day I give myself just an 11 minute window. Why I chose 11 minutes? I don't know. I think that it just worked with my attention span. Okay. But to sit down with the Lord and to spend time with him, to read a devotional, to talk to him honestly about my day, to prayer journal, to whatever it is that lights me up, often that turns into something so much more significant. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to the person who doesn't know the Lord is that he knows you. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, he loves you with a love that you cannot even imagine. And so when you sit down with him, you know, not only is it about knowing him, but it's being known by him. And that begins that relationship of just coming to know him hmm. and, and understanding how much he sees you, knows you, loves you, and always has. Uh, as you know, Susie, this is a legacy podcast and you have so beautifully shared your legacy. Is there anything else you want to add about what um, you want to make sure that you are passing down to those who know and love you? Sure. You know, right now it feels like the whole world is on fire. Mm -hmm. It just does. It's hard. We're going into holiday season where nothing is familiar. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we have put stock in. Um, but what I would say to you is that the greatest legacy that we can give to those around us right now is to simply um, put all those things down that have held so much value and just love each other and love the Lord. You know, do that creatively. Do that with fun. Let them see that those things are more important than people. And um, there's a world looking for joy right now. Mm. They're looking for people who reflect that. And it's confusing to them from the outside in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been telling when this first happened, the shutdown, and people were so worried, I saw them on Facebook. And I thought, well, as believers, I want to be the best example or display yeah. of, pe of peace. Yeah. And yet we can be the worst within our own families because familiarity does breed contempt and we become, we, I become impatient with my husband. <laughs> In fact, I was yesterday, I was a little irked with him and I just got through reading your book and I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to come into you with my irksomeness or my irritation. Yeah. And it did help. And also with my pain, I always feel sad when my kids leave after a holiday. Sure. And, um, and it worked. Not yeah, like it's, and not that's like a, deal. a formula. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much grace for that. So <laughs> we're we're human. Mm -hmm. We're human, and we do feel, and we do. So this is not about being perfect. This is just saying that you know there is a source, and it's offered to us willingly. Jesus said, "Come to me, mm -hmm. and I will give you rest." And that word, on all pace, that is a 
and I, I probably just butchered that, but it simply means that it allows us to sink our heart, our soul, and our thoughts in rhythm with God's, and that's offered to us. Mm, beautiful. Well, on that, thank you so much. I'm going to put all your links and information in the show notes. Susie, and if you want to send me a recipe, that'd be good too. A good, su- <laughs> a good Southern one. I like recipes. Well, and- I just made some mini fruit pizza tarts and they Ooh. are delicious. Wow. And I would be happy. Yes, I'd be happy to send that to you. Please do. And we'll put it in show notes. Thank you so much. It's been a delight and God bless you. Until next time, think about your legacy. The one God has called you to live. All for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.